Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkari. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cuff. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mead. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Kling. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook, N2K Podcast, and online at ciaops.podbean.com. Welcome along to the Need to Know Podcast. My name is Robert Crane, and you join me for episode 308, and we are in August 2023. So if you want to reach out to me, you can do so at DirectorCIA on the Twitters, director at CIAOps.com. Send me an email, happy for you to reach out that way. You can also follow my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash at DirectorCIA. I do have a shared Teams channel that you're more than welcome to visit. Uh, Go to my blog and look for a post called Join My Shared Channel and that will tell you what configuration needs to be done at your end and then just pop me an email let me know that you're keen to be involved in that keep up to date with what i do uh, post there of course the ciops merch store for all the gear to make a statement at your next conference and all of these sort of content pieces are made possible thanks to the cia ops patron community you can find out more information about that at ciaopspatron.com So some news and updates here from Microsoft. Uh, One of the first ones here is cyber signals, sporting events and venues draw cyber threats at increasing rates. So this, I suppose, again, is a bit of a uh, overview of uh, the capabilities that Microsoft uh, is providing people, what sort of technologies there are, uh, and a report in there that you can go in and have a read. So unfortunately, all sorts of events, all sorts of businesses are targeted uh, in this day and age. So uh, again, keep that uh, in mind and you know, good basic security applies, you know, whomever, wherever it is. Uh, so again, worthwhile having a look at my, what Microsoft does have to uh, say about this. The main takeaway is their report called the fifth edition of uh, cyber signal so I'll make sure the link to that is in the show notes so you can go in and have a look and consume that now another item here is enabling a second video stream with teams content camera so we're seeing more and more features being added to teams uh, over time uh, more and more capabilities being tacked on here Uh, you know this is part of the improvement of the product that you can certainly take advantage of and the idea here is we're beginning to see you know those sort of cameras that we've seen at demos which basically have you know the ability to uh, look through a person to the whiteboard and share that with a uh, group of people now most of these start out in preview so if you do want to see these make sure that you do turn on the preview capabilities in teams Uh, and also in your tenant. But I think for people who are serious about presenting content, whether in their own business or publicly, 
um, this is going to be a worthwhile investment of their time to go and have a look at this uh, second video screen. Uh, most machines these days will easily accommodate that. So having the capability to do that, I think, is a real benefit. Now, again, the idea is in preview, go in, explore it, have a play with it, uh, see what it does and whether it makes sense for your organisation. But, you know, I think it's a, a big benefit. I think more and more people will use it inside our organisations. So Microsoft has another fairly extensive write-up here uh, on the security site called Midnight, Midnight Blizzard Conducts Targeted Social Engineering Over Microsoft Teams. Now, a few weeks back, I mentioned, um, I suppose, a concern or an issue uh, that was out there in the general press about uh, users accepting uh, unknown requests in Teams, clicking on that, and then being used as a phishing uh, request. So it hasn't taken long for you know an attacker to exploit that, and that's basically what this article uh, talks about. So it runs through uh, the process, what the lure is, how it works, um, and what you know you would expect to see when people are using this. So typically, a user will receive an unsolicited message uh, via Teams from an ex unknown external user. They will <coughs> accept that, they will click on that, and that then can potentially deliver malicious content into the user's uh, device and uh, environment. So again, we don't want that. So the idea here is to look at the recommendations that Microsoft has and the indicators of compromise. And in here, we've also got some really good KQL queries for using with Sentinel. So if you want to keep up to date with that, uh, all of those are listed in this article for you. Now, don't forget that you can turn a Sentinel uh, KQL query into an alert. So if you do want to uh, have this alerted on a regular basis, you can certainly easily uh, do that by extending the KQL query into uh, an alert inside uh, Sentinel. So very handy. So Microsoft has also announced a new DMARC policy handling defaults for enhanced email security. Now, if you go into your um, anti-phishing policy within uh, the Exchange Online area, have a look at that, you'll see that there are now basically two or three additional options that are in there in regards to DMARC um, compliance. So what that means is if that uh, DMARC is noted or DMARC is evaluated as part of the inbound email, then you can choose how you want to react or what actions you want to take. So typically, the defaults are going to be that if it fails DMARC and the P setting is set to quarantine, the emails will end up in the quarantine area. If P, however, is set to reject, then that email will be rejected. Now, of course, you can go in and manipulate these or change these to suit your own environment just by uh, looking at editing the policy. But by default, uh, P will be quarantine and reject will obviously reject the emails as well uh, if you want. Now we've got the capability in the GUI. We've also got the capability for that in PowerShell. So the settings are now there uh, in PowerShell when you create or when you modify uh, phishing policies in that regard. So go in there, make use of it. It is enabled in those configurations by default, but uh, certainly make sure that firstly you have DMARC, uh, DKIM and SPF set up correctly for your environment and that you're making the appropriate decisions. Now, again, I think the best practice is to you know, obviously quarantine and to reject as Microsoft has it. But like I said, you can go in and make adjustments as you need. The link to this will be in the show notes so you can go in and have a look and
and there are some other really good articles about uh, DMARC, DKIM and email protection in here as well. So uh, go in, have a look at that. And that is a really good way to you know, enhance the security of your uh, inbound emails. Now, we have a public preview here about strictly enforced location policies with conditional access evaluation. Now, what many people don't realize is that conditional access is something that is evaluated continually, right? So most technology, security technologies like a password or MFA are only evaluated once. So when the user logs in, proves their identity, they do that once, they get a security token which then lasts for an extended period of time. We see a lot of you know, token theft and that's how attackers can potentially get into systems. Now the good thing that we can set up in, or that is on by default in conditional access is what's known as continuous access evaluation. So it's continually evaluating whether users conform to the conditional access policies uh, that were set up. Now remember, conditional access is part of Azure AD or Enter ID P1 and also that is part of Microsoft 365 uh, Business Premium. So a really good and powerful security capability that should be enabled for those uh, tenants that do uh, have it available to them. Now the add-on here is the ability to strictly enforce location policies. So what that's gonna mean is that it's going to, you know, if you've got a location defined by a P address or country or whatever, this now is going to strictly enforce that to make sure that you know the logins are only happening from those specific locations. So this article is good. It goes in there and shows you how to set it up. Now remember, it is a preview feature at this time, so uh, just be aware of that. But it will show you in here, you know, the results, how to set it up, the ramifications, how to verify that it is working. As with all conditional access policies, it's always good to put it into evaluation or report mode only first so you get an idea, look at the logs and uh, move forward from there. But certainly I would be enforcing this you know, where it makes sense and it's going to provide that extra level layer of security for particularly for users who aren't that mobile. So you're going to have users maybe working from a single uh, IP address or a, you know, a small set of known IP addresses much better to lock them down and force them into you know, the only access via those sessions. So even if something happens and they do get compromised, an attacker can't get in because they're not you know, on that particular um, location that you have to find in conditional access. So again, conditional access, really powerful capability, should be enabled, and now we've got some more capabilities around uh, strictly enforcing uh, the policy locations there. So that's great. Now, as always, Microsoft has a nice summary uh, report here or blog post around the Microsoft Defender monthly news. So there's a range of updates and information, nice summary of uh, what's going on here across, you know, Defender for Endpoint, uh, Defender for Cloud Apps, Identity, and so on. And I encourage you to go in and have a look at that. Keep yourself up to date quickly and easily uh, with this sort of summary. So again, I really like these sort of summary things that you know the Defender team are doing. Uh, it's really easy to see what's changed uh, in a month. So again, go in and have a look at that. I'll put the link in the show notes for you to go in and have a look at that. Now, an interesting one Microsoft has added here is announcing the availability of in-product guidance. So basically what it's done here is if you're performing you know, tasks, uh, especially security tasks in uh, Microsoft 365, you'll also have the option when you select learn more to basically surface a whole range of tutorials, videos, on-demand learning 
uh, to improve your skills and help you understand. So generally in the top right-hand corner, there's a learn more button. If you select that, you'll get a, uh, a pane or a blade that'll fly out from uh, the right, and that will have a whole lot of learnings in there. So very interesting that you know Microsoft is beginning to surface this sort of content directly in the portal, the GUI, rather than you having to go out and search for it. So there is you know, obviously the challenge with, okay, what do all these things do? Um, but I, th I think integrating it makes a lot of sense. It makes it a lot easier. Now, I would say that in general, the portal is largely aimed um, at end users or IT professionals inside businesses. Uh, I think that if you are doing it across a large scale, if your business is IT, then you should be looking at you know, automation capabilities around PowerShell to achieve this. But again, good learning capabilities here, targeted obviously when uh, they are needed. So go in, have a look at those and you know, take some of those, improve your learning skills there. And I think we'll see more and more of these uh, roll out to all sorts of Microsoft products. But uh, for now, again, they will roll out probably to the security side of the house first and then across the other uh, range of services Microsoft has. Now, Microsoft has or bought a product called ClickChamp a while ago. It made that available to its consumer customers. I think it's a really good tool. It has a huge amount of features uh, for virtually, you know, for no cost effectively. Now they are going to make ClickChamp available with Microsoft 365 subscriptions and no doubt with Windows 11 as well. So this article here called Introducing Microsoft ClickChamp, Unlock the Power of Video at Work, uh, takes you through the changes or the inclusions that are going to come with the consumer uh, with the commercial version of ClickChamp. So again, if you haven't seen that, that will start appearing uh, in your environment as well. Now, as you can appreciate, I do do a fair amount of work with uh, video, so I think this tool is fantastic. Can't recommend it uh, enough. Easy to use, web-based, always up to date, uh, huge range of features, and again, effectively free. When you combine this with the recordings that are done in things like you know Teams and even off a webcam, a uh, phone, I think really we all know that uh, video is probably the most effective uh, tool for communication that is out there. Having this capability to really polish off the videos, I think, uh, is super powerful and really sets people apart who have invested a bit of time to learn how to get the most out of video and you know give it a nice header, a nice footer, uh, get it out there into the world. So again, if you haven't, go and have a look at this. I'd certainly recommend you having a look at ClickChamp now that it is available as a commercial uh, product in uh, Microsoft 365. So as always, there are new uh, updates and options available with Intune. So Intune, again, is a product that uh, does keep enhancing and providing capabilities uh, over time. And uh, good, there's a nice little summary here once again called What's New with Microsoft Intune 2307 July Edition. So again, we've got some topics here around uninstalling apps in the company portal for Windows. We've also got the expanding ability to deploy complex uh, apps on Mac OS uh, and so on. So if you're into managing devices, if that's part of your role, then certainly make sure that you keep up to date with everything that's coming and changing. With Intune, this uh, little report here, blog post here, will give you a nice summary report of what's going on and what's changing. And again, you can see there's a subscribe button in the top right-hand corner there. Generally, that will allow you to receive email updates when 
you know, this blog post or when the uh, blog series is updated. So I recommend you going in and having a look at uh, that. Now we have talked about the change in the sharing across Microsoft 365. Uh, Microsoft is calling it simplified sharing across Microsoft 365. Again, there's an article here uh, from Microsoft, which is a deep dive into the new look and feel with this. Now, this is going to take a little bit of getting used to, I think, for many users, uh, especially if you want to do anything more than uh, just do generic sharing effectively to everybody. So I'm not personally a particular big fan of this because I want to have more granularity. I think Microsoft has moved that capability uh, away. I understand why they've done that to make it easier for people, but um, personally, I would prefer a different approach, but it is what it is. We have to get used to it. Uh, and again, for those people looking after multiple tenants, go in and make sure you understand how the default sharing uh, is set up and enabled. That's going to be how most users are going to share documents. Is that a good thing? Maybe, maybe not. If it's not, then you can control the defaults uh, as an administrator using various means in the GUI and in PowerShell. So I'd recommend that you go in and configure that to suit your environment and then understand how the defaults are going to happen here uh, in this new uh, sharing uh, experience. So we'll see what happens here, whether users adopt this and use this, but it is certainly easier. There's less uh, thinking, I suppose, involved, but uh, I think if you are concerned at all with uh, oversharing, then you may need to go in and uh, look at, you know, tweaking some of these settings to go in and, you know, set it to what makes sense for your environment. So the last one I've got here is investigate URLs and domains more efficiently with the new URL page. Now, this is aimed at obviously people who are using you know, Defender products where URLs come across. Typically, uh, you know, Defender for Office 365 or Defender for Endpoint. Again, can't speak highly enough of the improvements in this product, the capabilities and the integration between all these Defender products. So. Microsoft's created a new uh, page that will allow you to investigate URLs across the Defender range. So that means it's much easier, it's more consistent across all their products and allows you to drill in and have a look at you know, all the details in more granularity around the URLs uh, that may, may be suspect uh, and whatever. So certainly go in and have a look at this, make sure that you understand the capabilities uh, but there is a lot of detail in here when you do need to go and investigate, you know, what's happening on URLs, who's clicking on things, uh, and so on. So we'll make sure that the uh, link to that is in the show notes so that you can uh, go in and have a look at that and keep up to date with everything happening there. So what I thought I'd talk about briefly here is something that I hear very commonly across the IT professional space in SMB, largely... Um, what I see is that people are not keeping their skills current when it comes to the you know, Microsoft range of services in Microsoft 365. Now, I would totally agree that there are lots of changes, there are lots of updates, there are lots of improvements that happen in this space and it's always changing. Um, the reality is, is that is the environment that we're in. If you want to service that environment, then you're going to need to come up with a learning strategy to be able to deal with all that information and keep up to date and be able to apply it uh, in your business and for your customers. So the first point is, is that, you know, if that's your chosen profession, if that's your chosen uh, products that you are providing to uh, end users, you're going to need to invest time to keep learning 
you know, up to date and current. Now, a lot of that is around creating a system, a learning system that you can do regularly that works for you, that keeps up, keeps you up to date. Now, many people I see who you know have a oh no, you know I don't have time to do this. Well, the reality is you do, and you just need to create a system that works for you. So, as they say, you know, do random things, get random results. The solution is to create a system that you know works for you. So. I would suggest that at a very minimum, you should be dedicating at least 10% you know, of your working time uh, to keeping up to date to learning via de- different mechanisms. Now, again, if you look at a normal week, 40 hours, that's around four hours that you should be dedicating a week at a minimum, I would suggest to learning. Now, when you want to dedicate that time, uh, you need to work out something that works for you. Everybody's slightly different. So some people like to do it in the morning. They're more attentive. They like to do it in the evening when it's quiet. They may like to do it in you know uh, blocks of an hour. Uh, I would suggest to you that you're going to get a bigger bang for your buck if you look at it as a block learning experience. You can go deep. You can really focus. You can shut out the distractions for a, at least a four-hour period of time. Now, if you look at that four-hour period of time, I would suggest that's you know a morning or an afternoon. So, if you're a morning learner, then dedicate the four hours. You know, maybe on a Wednesday or a Thursday, or maybe even a Friday morning. You know, shut off the emails, shut off the phone, uh, focus on you know the learning topic at hand for a full solid four hours. Now, the reality is is that you know life is not that busy that you can't afford that time, and it's going to give you a much bigger result than the initial four hours right so again the idea here is you're going to get leverage by learning the products and then being able to go out and apply them and potentially improve the way that you run your business but you need to make that investment and it is a worthwhile investment and as a professional in the field you do need to apply you know your learnings and keep up to date that sort of your job that sort of what you uh, get paid for. But my advice is a single four-hour block at a minimum um, and make sure that is uninterrupted to get the biggest, best bang for your buck when it comes to learning. Now, part of that is also focusing on the topic at hand. Now, you're not really learning if you've got your emails open, if you're you know, listening or taking phone calls or you're surfing the internet and watching cat videos on YouTube. It's all about focus. You know, all good uh, learning comes from, you know, focusing on the topic at hand. Now, part of that also means, you know, taking a break to, you know, give your brain a time to breathe. So, you know, that may be whatever works for you. It might be every 30 minutes you go for a, you know, a 10 minute walk around or, you know, take a bit of a break, might be an hour, whatever. But you do need to reinforce this. So again, what's a good practice learning for you? Simply trying to cram it in there won't work, especially the older that, people get we need to work out techniques that work for us and we may need to do it multiple times there's no way that anybody looks at something once and then is able to digest it and then regurgitate it so the idea here is reinforcing and to do that in a a focused manner now for most people in IT it's also very important to get hands-on experience now doing things hands-on is another way of reinforcing this learning. So you can read about it, you can watch a video on it, but doing it hands-on really is the the final way, I think, or the best way to really enforce the learning. 
Now, there are lots of different ways to do that. I would never encourage people to learn on a production tenant, on a customer's tenant especially. They're not paying you to basically learn uh, on the job. Uh, again, the idea here is learn using a demo. So you can go to demos.microsoft.com. You can sign up for a demo tenant, a limited uh, period demo tenant. And the other alternative is to pay for a commercial tenant. Now, people look at it and say, oh, yeah, but it's going to cost me money. Yes, but the idea here is it's a business expense. It's a learning capability. If you pay for a commercial tenant, you can slot licenses in and out as you need. Uh, you can cancel them. You can only, you only might need one or two of each. Uh, you can uh, basically you know, also enable a whole range of trials. So most of the Microsoft space will give you 30-day, even up to 90-day trials for some of this stuff. So being able to put that in a standard you know, user type or customer type tenant not a reseller or a you know that sort of thing i think is a big benefit now i certainly do that i have my own independent production tenant that i pay for as well as a demo tenant which is again independent of any partner benefits as well so i can do more testing and add and assign licenses as needed to do that now as always you know to improve your professional uh, abilities knowledge you're going to have to invest now that's going to be investment in time an investment in money as well. Now you can minimize that, you can be smart about that, you've got the capabilities provided by Microsoft for free subscriptions uh, in your tenant, also in Azure and other services. So take advantage of that to build a dedicated hands-on environment that you can go in and play with things there without the worry of causing impact to you know real-world end users. So this is the real big benefit. Microsoft, like I said, gives you demo tenants you can sign up for at demos.microsoft.com. Com. Now, apart from the hands-on stuff, I also find that the best way that I learn and retain information is to write it down. Uh, if you're a writer, if you like using pen and paper, that's great. I've moved most of my technical learnings uh, into OneNote because A, it's backed up, uh, it's synced to every device, it's searchable, and it can consume you know pictures, diagrams, uh, text, uh, audio, everything is in there. So I would suggest to you that OneNote has a lot of benefits for your retained knowledge, which you can take it on the road with you. Also, it's a good way to demonstrate using a Microsoft product, which you can then take and potentially sell and demonstrate to a customer. Look, this is how I use uh, OneNote. Uh, we can do the same for you. We can improve your productivity. So for me, OneNote is probably the most uh, productive application that I use every single day for various uh, mechanisms. And one of those is to capture all my learning so that I do have it written down somewhere, all right? So again, hands-on experience is great, but the final reinforcement, I think, is actually documented for yourself in a place that you know can be referred to when you need. And again, I like tools that have the capability to search for uh, that information. Now, another one I'll call out here is certifications. We don't see a lot of people, especially in SMB, going in and doing certifications. There's this real fear factor of, oh, I might fail and then, you know, people will judge me and I won't feel a real person because I failed. The reality should be you should look at certifications as a focused guided path to your learning. So if you want to learn security, there are Microsoft security certifications. Now they will tell you to pass this certification or this course, you need to learn A, B and C, right? And that's really good because it allows you just to focus on those topics go and do an external exam which will then you know, verify your knowledge 
and then you can move on to the next topic and there's you know power automate there's azure there's teams there's a whole range of certifications so i suggest you should look at certifications not as something to you know boast about externally it's more about giving you a guided path having the materials available for you um, that you allows you to focus on one topic at a time now the starting point I would suggest if you haven't done you know, certifications or haven't done them for a long time are the 900 exams. So the MS 900 and the AZ 900 and the SC 900 are what they call fundamental exams that test some fundamentals. Anybody in a business from the receptionist to the CEO should be able to do these and pass these. Now inside your business you can do it as a group and pass on those learnings to others. And what we find is, is that when people start doing these, they become easier, they get into a learning habit. Uh, and again, it gives them a major differentiation point from other people in the space. Because again, there's this huge resistance I found to uh, people at SMB doing certifications. And I think that is the wrong message to put out there. We, As a profession, we wanna make sure we are as skilled as possible. Now, sure, you've probably learned a lot of stuff over time and accumulated, but Again, there's no independent verification uh, of that, all right? So I think looking at certifications as a way to confirm and give you focus uh, as to a path of what you wanna learn, and you'd be surprised at the things that you do learn when you start looking at certifications. Oh, I didn't know they had that, or this plan needs this. So it's gonna broaden your horizon across the whole spectrum of the you know, Microsoft products and services. So I think it's a really good thing, but Again, look at it as a way to internally to help you to learn the product, learn the services, improve yourself professionally, rather than being something that you show everybody and you know hang on a wall or whatever. It's all about you know the capabilities that that learning path provides uh, for you. I would suggest. All right, so go in have a look at that. But the most important thing I think is that, you know, you need to make time. There is no question that yes, the world is changing rapidly. There are many, many updates. There are many, many things coming. But what I see is too many people focused on too many things and not really delivering or not retaining any knowledge. So the way to overcome that is to dedicate some time, 10%, I would suggest, you know, four hours a week at a minimum is what you should be investing in learning. And that learning is, you know, potentially watching uh, videos, reading documentation, writing stuff down, trying stuff out in a hands-on lab. That is the way you're going to reinforce it. Now, don't try and boil the ocean. Start with something simple. I'd be starting with things like, you know, Azure AD, uh, conditional access or enter ID as it's called. Now, you know, conditional access, uh, the basic policies around security in Exchange Online, whatever you want to do. Again, yes, it can look very daunting initially, but, you know, the best way to get it done is just to start, develop a program and adjust over time. And you will be surprised that after a short period of time, how much information, how much your learning has improved in your knowledge, and that's going to stand you out from the field. But it doesn't magically appear in your brain. You don't magically suck it in by just, you know, casually browsing a website on learn.microsoft.com. You really need to make it a system. You really need to ingrain it, and you really need to focus on that to provide that benefit. And again, you know, like any sort of training, be it physical uh, or whatever, you're going to get the benefits over time the more that you do it. So develop a system, implement it regularly, and then it becomes very easy, and the results just keep coming time after time after time.
So once again, uh, hopefully that's given you some thought to go away and maybe develop a learning practice. Also some information there I'll make sure is available in the show notes for you to go and consume and get up to date with everything on Microsoft. Again, I'll take this opportunity to thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget you can reach out to me on the Twitter at DirectorCIA and also Director at CIAOps.com. Feel free to do that. Let me know what you think, what you'd like to hear, uh, topics and whether I'm hitting the mark uh, for you. But with this episode, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.